1: 225 274 1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's word.
0: have come to seek you. Hey About Joseph, we've been doing Bible series and um, Bible stories which is just an amazing thing. I love Bible stories because it's not just a series of different stories that are just over here. It's all one big little narrative that just points to Jesus and just the different stories in there all have the same theme, just God's sovereignty and how wonderful he is. So we're going to jump right into that. Let's pray first. God, we just thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord, to speak your word, Lord Jesus, and to hear your truth. And God, hear yet another story, God, that shows how you are so sovereign, God, and how you are always in control. God, open our eyes, open our ears, Lord Jesus, to hear what you would have to say this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So a few weeks ago, um, I was talking to Pastor Philip, and I was like, man, I love the story of Joseph. He says, oh, will you, do you want to speak? I'm like, Oh, I mean, I just said I loved it, but okay, great. I'm so excited. But I in the first service, and I mean it. I love Joseph so much because I feel like I can relate to him because I know what it's like to be your father's favorite kid. Like, I really do, and I totally feel we're on the same page with that. My brothers and sister are not here, but they know it too, and they'll tell you. Just text them and ask them. It's the truth. So we're talking about Jacob. I mean, Joseph, excuse me. Last week, we talked about Jacob, and we learned... How, you know, you see if there, Jacob right there, he married those two wives, Leah and Rachel. And in Jacob's family, there was some favoritism, and it kind of shows over here, too, the favoritism with his favorite child, Joseph. He, he had two wives, Leah and Rachel. They were sisters. Imagine that. And he was tricked into marrying Leah, but he worked another seven years because he loved, so, loved Rachel so much. And Leah had several kids as well as his other wives, But Rachel didn't have kids. And this one time, God finally opened up her womb and allowed her to have a child. And she has Joseph. Joseph is just the apple of his eye. He just loves Joseph. He'll do anything for Joseph. You know, and the Bible tells us he had 12 other brothers or 11 other brothers. And the first four were the worst. They were not very good men. And what happened was his father sent him out on a mission to go, and tell, to go and see what they were doing and to find out. And Joseph would come back and he'd be the tattletale. And so it really didn't make the brothers care so much for him at all. We're starting off here in Genesis 37, verses 1 through 11. It says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his fathers. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the other brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheep arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheep stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers. And his fathers rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his fathers kept this matter in mind. So Joseph steps onto the pages of the Bible, and he's 17 years old. He's loved by his fathers. He's out feeding the flock with his brothers. He comes back. He tattletales to tell them, you know, that they're scheming and they're doing this, that, and the other. And his father, it says in verse 3, his father makes him a coat, a coat of many colors. Now, this coat was bedazzled, beautiful. He used take time to stitch it all out, probably had a little bedazzle gun, you know. But it's not custom at that time for patriarchs to sit and stitch, you know. A patriarch of the family, that was the job of a mother. So when the Bible says something like that, that's a little bit out of, out of you know, character, you want to take note of it, you know. You want to look in, look into it. And in those days, in the history of those days, people who were in power would wear these coats, you know, they, who had rulership would wear these coats. So, to the brothers, you know, and what it was, it symboled something different that he would take this time to make a coat for Joseph. A younger son, he's got nine other brothers or ten other brothers ahead of him, but he takes time to make this coat for Joseph. And it symboled heirship. It symboled, you know, ownership. And, you know, so many different things. Um, and symboled favor. Last week, Pastor Philip talked about... Um, what it was to be an heir, and he said, you know, it it meant sometimes double portion, it meant honor, it meant they could be the leader of the house, sometimes up to two-thirds more of the land the other brothers got, so you can imagine all these other brothers are thinking, why in the world would this little guy get this kind of inheritance over all of us, so it built hatred towards him, built animosity, and it didn't help that Joseph felt the need to prance around in his little jacket telling about the dreams he had. Oh, I dreamed this. Oh, I dreamed that I'm going to be ruler over you. I'm going to how would you feel? You know, you probably wouldn't. He wouldn't be on your top 10 favorite people list. Nowhere near, you know. But this is how he was. He would just go and, and maybe in his, you know, naivety, he shouldn't have done that. Maybe he shouldn't, but he had a dream in his heart and he was excited about it. You know, when God puts something in your heart, you're just excited about it and you just want to share it and you just want to tell people about it. And that's what he did. So the brothers are hating Joseph. They can't stand him. They're, you know, they're plotting against him. And what they're doing is, is sitting out, and you know, they go out to um, do some work one day. And the father sends Joseph to go check up on him again because he was the tattletale. So Joseph goes to tattletale, and Joseph goes to see what's going on. And the brothers are sitting there saying, look, here he comes, you know. Let's come up with something to get rid of him. Let's, and they're plotting against him and coming up with ideas of how they can destroy him. And they plotted to kill him. They were going to kill their own brothers. We see in chapter 37 and verse 19 and 20. It says, Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near, they conspired against him to kill him. They said one to another, Look at this dreamer, he's coming. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, Some wild beast has devoured him. And we shall see what has become of his dreams. It says, we shall see what will become of his dream. See, what they hated about Joseph was not Joseph. They hated what was inside of Joseph. They hated the dream that was inside of Joseph, the passion and the life. You ever been around people that are just like ridiculously happy all the time and you're just kind of like, you know, I'm typically that person to my mom or my brother. But, you know, sometimes that's just annoying. They hated that dream that was inside of him. You know what? We are children of God we are his heirs. We are his heirs in Christ. And you know, it's not that Satan hates us. He hates what's inside of us. And he wants to attack what is inside of us and what is inside of our hearts. In Galatians 3 and verse 26, it says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Each one of us, that means me, that means you, that means rich, You know, that means every one of us, both male and female, because that word sons right there is not speaking of gender, but rather of heirship, who we are, what we are entitled to. You know, the Bible says we are entitled to everything that he is entitled to because we are his, we are his kids. We are his babies. So, you know, when Satan looks down at us, he sees that he wants to come against that. He wants to attack us for who we are. That is the real battle that's going on inside of each one of us. You know, there's a lot of things that we go through in life, even as little kids. But we have to realize, you know, it's not necessarily about us. It's about the dream that's inside of us, even as we're little. Ephesians, verse 1 and verse 18 um, through 19. It says, there we go. Paul is writing here. And Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of his glory and his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the work and of his mighty power. You know what? The Bible says he has hoped for us. What is the hope of his calling? When we accepted Jesus, you know, God had a hope for us. There's a hope for each one of us. You know, we can't go along with our lives without knowing that hope. I said this in the first service, but if you're not married now, you need to know what that hope of his calling was. What is it that he hoped for you when he created you? Because if you don't know that, you can't find someone else because you don't know what your hope is. You got to make sure those hopes align up. Each one of us has that hope inside of us, as Joseph did. There was a deep hope and a deep dream. And Joseph comes up to his brothers, and his brothers are conspiring against him, and they say, you know what? Let's not kill him. You know, he is, after all, our brother. Let's take it easy on him. Let's just throw him in a pit and go have lunch. So they take him, they throw him off into the pit, and that's what they did. They went and made themselves dinner. And here's Joseph screaming and crying and going cray-cray, and his brothers are over here just eating dinner like nothing happened. It was just the evilness inside their hearts. He's in this pit, and he's crying out. And he must have had some kind of hope inside of him that would keep him going on. I can't imagine being that kind of betrayed by your own family members. I read this um, or watched this video that I love. I like to watch Christian videos. And um, it was on this site called edstory.com. And it's about this man named Ed who has ALS. And he finds out he has ALS. He's given two or three years to live, you know, at the most. And so he's like, just forget it. I'm done with life. I don't want to live anymore. This is just, you know, what, what good is it? What sense does it make? So then he meets this man named Billy, who will then become his best friend. And Billy has been through the ringer. Billy has HIV. He has um, um, hepatitis B. He has cancer. He was a heroin addict. And his, he watched his wife die in his arm. Like, he's got, like, this long laundry list of tragedy, you know. So he meets Billy, and Billy's just all happy and, oh, you know, like this. And he's just, again, you know how it is when the happy people come around you're not all that happy. He's just annoyed by Billy. And so he asks, what is it that makes you so happy? Why are you always like this? You know, what? what is it that makes you with everything that you've been through? And Billy starts telling him about Yogi Bear because it's his favorite cartoon. And so he's like, oh, my gosh, I asked you what was wrong. So he's talking about Yogi Bear, and he says, you know what Yogi Bear always says? He always says, it ain't over till it's over. You know, and he said, I just decided one day that I'm going to be a Yogi Bear Christian, and I'm just going to say it's not over till it's over. If God says it, then it's just not over. You know, we all have to hold, grasp a hold of that and be Yogi Bear Christians and just say, you know what, if God said it, no matter what the circumstances right now, no matter what pit I'm in right now, it's not over until it's over. God said it, then I believe it. We have to live in the yes zone. Where we say yes to his will, yes to his ways, yes to the good, yes to what appears to be the bad, you know, yes, God, I follow. That is the epitome of true trust in God. And there's such freedom in that sovereignty to know that no matter what happens, good, bad, ugly, God is still in control, and God is still on the throne. So Joseph had to have known that when he was in this pit. You know, he did know uh, need to mention you, when he was about five or six, that's when Jacob had his encounter with this angel and wrestled and his life was changed at Peniel. So Jacob had the opportunity to grow up around a Christian father as his brothers really didn't. So he did probably hear the stories of Isaac and of Abraham, you know, and he probably heard these stories. So he knew in the God that he was trusting in. So while he's in that pit, he had to grasp a hold of that. He had to think, man, God gave me this dream. I know this inside of me. Maybe I can be great. Or maybe he thought the opposite. Maybe he was starting to give up like most of us usually do and say, I don't understand this. You know, I, I can't guess why I'm here. But there, that was his pivotal moment. You know, like Jesus, when he was in Gethsemane, just before he was about to be launched into his destiny on the cross, you know, he cried out to God. You know, does this have to happen, God? Is this exactly what you want? But you know what? Not my will, but your will be done, God. Not well. Joseph was faithful Just as Jesus was faithful. Um, They saw the anguish that was in Joseph's heart. The Bible says that for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded. They could hear him screaming out. They could hear him crying out. Joseph was desperate. He wanted to be out of the situation a lot, like most of us do. But you know, like Jesus cried out, God, not my will, but your will. You know, our response when we are in a pit is to worship God and to honor God. That is our only response, is to lift up his name and say, Jesus, you are greater still. You're still want more wonderful than anything. God, I worship you and I praise you. And that was got to be our response in every situation. What we do in that pit determines if we get to the palace. How we decide to act in our pits is what is going to determine where we will get and that has to be praise, and that has to be worship, that has to be lifting up his name at all time. Joseph had a brother named Judah. Judah's name means praise, and Judah was Leah's son, and Leah, bless her heart, poor thing, she'd been through the ringer, you know, she loved Jacob. She loved her husband, but her husband really wasn't that fond of her. Her dad had just given her away for some money. She's feeling, she's desperate for love. She's striving for love. She's broken inside. She is so, you know, just bitter, just doing anything she can to get that love and get that affection and that attention, you know? And then she births Judah, another son thinking, man, you know, because the other son, she was thinking, now my husband will love me. Now my husband will love me. Now she births Judah and she says, you know, at this time I will praise the Lord. You know, sometimes our greatest praise and our greatest worship can come from a broken and horrible and used, abused, disgusted place. But you know, this time we have to praise the Lord. That's what will determine where we get in our circumstances. Worship leads us to transformation. We have to praise God in every situation. So the story continues with Joseph. He's sold off to the Ishmaelites. His brothers take him out, since they're so nice, and decide not to kill him. They're like, let's sell him. So they take him out. Here comes the little caravan of Ishmaelites coming down the dusty road. And they say, let's sell him off. So they sell him off to the Ishmaelites, who then in turn get to Egypt and sell him off to Potiphar. And this is where we meet Potiphar. He is the court-martial of um, Pharaoh. So he's a top dog guy, big house. He's all expensive stuff, you know, people feeding him grapes, doing that kind of stuff. So he sells him off to Potiphar. Where he becomes a slave in Potiphar's house. And the funny thing here is most of us would be like a little upset that we've been sold and, you know, betrayed by our brothers, just a little bit. But you know what it says in Genesis 39 and verse 5, 1 through 5, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, a captain of the garden, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. But the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did prosper. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he was made an overseer of his house, and of all that he had, he put under his authority. So it was from that time that he made him an overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptians house for Joseph's sake and a blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house of that field you know what the blessing of the Lord was with Joseph even when he was in the Pot- in, in Potiphar's house the Bible says he blessed all of the Potiphar's house. He blessed everything around him. Everything that was around Joseph was blessed because he had the favor of God. I love that part. That, and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. You know, when we're in situations, God's blessing never leaves us. His protection never leaves us. Whenever we stay in his will, he is still in control in this situation. So he's there in Potiphar's house. He becomes a higher slave. He's an overseer of the house. And the Bible says that Joseph was very attractive, and he looked really good, like my husband. I don't know where he is. Let's pretend Joseph looks like Trey. Okay. So he says Joseph was so attractive. I'm going to get myself some new shoes out of that one. Joseph was really attractive, you know, and Potiphar's wife takes note of that. She sees that, and she goes after Joseph, and she tries to do everything that she can to get his attention, tries to, you know, make all her moves. She probably wore a cute outfit and did her little lipstick, you know. She's prancing around Joseph trying to get his attention. And Bible says that she tries to lure him in and make advances of him. And Joseph was an upright man. He was a faithful man. He was a man of integrity. And he said, no, I'm not going to have that. And so he turn around and walk off. And while he does that, she grabs his coat and she takes his coat and then cries rapes and says, oh, he raped me. He raped me. So Potiphar comes in. He sees the situation. He sees the coat. He knows how his wife is. But instead of, you know, making the right decision, he decides to choose his reputation. And so he says, okay, well, Joseph goes to jail. So now Joseph is in jail for something he didn't do. Or something he was falsely accused of. He's in jail for doing the right thing. He could have just given in and said, okay, you know, let's go for it. The Bible doesn't even mention her name in here. You know, it's just Potiphar's wife. He could have just gone and done whatever he wanted to do. And then been in good, you know, in good standings in Potiphar's sight and in Potiphar's wife's eyes. But he chose to be in good good standards with Jesus. Because that's what mattered. And now he's sitting in jail because he made the right decision. So he sits in jail, and you can imagine the thoughts are going through his mind. I didn't do anything wrong. You know, I made the right decisions. I did the right thing, but I'm here. So he's in jail, and again, you know, the, the mercy of God. In Genesis 39, verse 21 and 23, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph. I love how that starts. The Lord was with Joseph. And showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. So the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority, because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. You know, even in jail, God was still with him. In Psalms, it says, if you make your bed in the pit of hell, even then, my right hand will uphold you. No matter where he went, Jesus was still with him, even there in the jail. So he meets two guys that are in the jail with him, a cupbearer and a baker. And they're having these dreams. And they come to Joseph, and they're like, oh, we're having these dreams. Can you interpret these dreams? Can you tell us the meaning of these dreams? And so he does that. He tells the cupbearer, in three days, you're going to be released. You're going to go back to working for Pharaoh. And you're going to be back to being his right-hand man. So the cupbearer's like, yes, all right, you know. So then he tells the baker, in three days, you're going to die. And so the <laughs> baker's like, oh, snap, you know. So he says, baker believes it's not true. But here you go, three days come, and it's exactly what happens. The cupbearer is restored back to Pharaoh, and the baker gets beheaded, poor thing. So before he goes, he tells the cupbearer, listen, when you get back to Pharaoh, when you get there, please tell him my story. Like tell him all the things that I've been through. Tell him that I'm down here in jail and I don't need to be. And Potiphar's wife, man, she's a little, you know, and I'm now here paying for this. And my brothers did this and just tell him all about me. And so the cupbearer says, okay, yeah, I'll do that. I'll tell him. So of course the cupbearer gets to Pharaoh and what's he do? He's like, gets amnesia and he completely forgets and he doesn't tell Pharaoh about Joseph. So here's Joseph sitting in a prison, still waiting, you know, just still thinking, what's going on? I bet he's just sitting there just waiting. Any minute, Pharaoh's going to come in here and be like, oh, you've been released. You're going to have this big CNN story about unjustly abused, all this stuff. None of that happened. He was there for two years in that prison, just sitting there wondering what in the world happened. What, what wrong turn did I, did I make a wrong turn? Did I do something? You know, God, are you here? Are you with me? I'm out here by myself. I didn't deserve this. Think of all the time he had to sit up there and stew and just to get really angry. Why? And my brothers did this to me. How could they do this to me? Where's my father at? Is he even looking for me? And does anything, what's going on? God, are you even there? But all along, like we've seen, God was there. God was there every single step of the way. He was taking care of every situation, every step of the way. You know, it is very important that we look here and we notice that we should never make a, never make a mistake, excuse me, never mistake the patience of God as his absence. Because his timing is perfect and his presence is constant. Joseph was faithful. Never in the Bible does it say that Joseph sinned or that Joseph, you know, that he, he, we know that he did sin because we are all human, but never in the Bible does it say he mumbled, he complained, he got angry, he'd do this, he kicked the door and threw a fit. It doesn't say any of that. It just says Joseph remained faithful, even as he sat there for two years. We should never mistake the patience of God as absence because his timing is perfect And his presence is constant. There is nothing that we've been through that will be wasted. Nothing that we've been through. While Joseph's sitting there, he had already been over Potiphar's house. He had already, God was preparing him for what was ahead. Joseph didn't know it at that moment, but he's preparing him. Every step of the way of our lives, everything that we go through, God is preparing us for greatness. He is preparing us for what he has in store for us, for the dreams that he has in store for us. God is always in control he is always taking care. And the brothers, the brothers, what they did, they thought they saw that dream. They hated that dream in him. They thought that they were going to strip him of his coat and they were going to take everything from him because his father gave him this coat, which means he was going to be heir. So they're going to take that from him. But you know what? They could take his coat, but they could never take the covering. He could never take the covering that God had over Joseph's life. They can take things from us. Satan can knock us up a little bit. He can bang us. but he can't take the blessing that God has put on each one of our lives. We are covered by God and we are covered by his grace. So 10 years later, we, a famine comes and sweeps the land. Famine sweeps the land that Joseph had mentioned to Pharaoh. Pharaoh came, wait, let's go back a bit. Let's go back a bit. I skipped a part. Here we go. Joseph in jail. We're still in jail. Here we go. Back to jail. Okay. Joseph's in jail, right? So the Pharaoh starts having these dreams, and Pharaoh's having his dreams, he needs to be interpreted. So guess what? The cupbearer's like, light bulb. Oh, I remember this guy who's in jail that was in with me two years ago, and I was supposed to tell you about this, and yeah. So the cupbearer shares the dreams with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh, Pharaoh says, okay, well, pull Joseph out. So Joseph comes. Joseph interprets the dreams to Pharaoh. And you know what? Pharaoh says, wow, man, this guy is so cool. You know, I'm going to make him second in the land. So he promotes Joseph to be in second in the land. You know, golly, what God can do going from sitting in a jail to now being second in the land. That's just simply amazing. You know, the Bible says, it's the next scripture up there. There we go. So, and Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a man as this, a man whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over all my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. That first part of th- verse it says, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? See, even Pharaoh noticed that the Spirit of God was in Joseph. Pharaoh wasn't a Christian man, but he could see that the spirit of God was in him. You know, when we're out there in the world, people will notice when the spirit of God is in you. You will be affecting other people. In our Bible study, Gideon study that we did, she made such a great point. She said, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, people will be affected by your life. They're going to be affected in one way or the other. It's your choice how they're going to be affected. Are they going to be affected for God's glory? or Are they going to be affected any other way? You know, Pharaoh noticed that about God. He said the spirit of God is in him. Everything that he does prospers because the spirit of God is there. Just simply amazing. So now, okay, now we're back. Ten years later, there's a famine in the land. Just as Joseph has said in, in the dream that he gave to Pharaoh, famine comes to the land. And back at home in Canaan, Jacob sent, tells the brothers, you know, we're, we're starving here. I hear that there's food in Egypt. You need to go up to Egypt. We need to go and see what we can do. So the brothers pack up, and they take this journey up to Egypt. And, of course, since Joseph is second in the land, who do they have to go ask for, money for, ask for food for but Joseph? So they go, and they meet Joseph, and they see him. And Joseph looks out, and Joseph notices who they are. But they don't necessarily know who Joseph is. amazing what God does something in your life? Like even the people used to know just don't even recognize you anymore. They don't even know. They didn't even know who their own brother was. So we can read now in Genesis 42, in verses eight and verses nine. It said, Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. But then Joseph remembered the dreams in which he dreamed about them. When he saw his brothers, He didn't look at his brothers and say, oh my gosh, you scandalous little dudes who sold me off and made me go through all this. No, he saw his brothers and he remembered the dream that God had given him. That was what he remembered was that dream that God had placed in his heart because God had healed him. God had done so much for him and he'd seen the greatness of God and how God's hand had protected him in every single way. And he realized, you know what? I I imagine that moment, like his, the eyes of his understanding were enlightened and he said, oh God. I see. It's not ever been about all those things. It's always been about you. And it's always been about the dream that you have inside of me. He remembers the dream that was inside of him, not the tactics that, you know, led to him getting to where he was, but just simply that dream that God put inside of him. He chose God. He chose to praise God. He chose to not let go of of that covering and just to relinquish that and give up. Because a lot of times we would want to give up, especially given all those kind of situations. But we have to put our focus on the God who is bringing us into our destiny, not the portal in which we got there. You know, whenever other women who are moms can attest to this, when you have that baby and you're holding that baby in your hand, you're not thinking about how terrible the contractions were. You're not thinking about how awful it was. You're just thinking about what's right there. You know, what's right there in front of you. You know, God has something that's so great for each and every one of us. And this morning, I pray that your eyes the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened and that you would see that the hope that is that we have in Christ Jesus. Joseph married and he had two sons. One of his sons' name was Manasseh. The other was Ephraim. The name Manasseh means he causes me to forget. Joseph in verse 51 says, Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh, for God has made me forget all the toil that was in my father's house. This is something he said before he met his brothers. See, he didn't say this after his brothers and then he, after he forgave them. No, he forgave them long before he saw them. He forgave them long before he saw his brothers. The um, son's, second son's name is Ephraim, and it means "you, he, he who bears fruit what it means. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for my God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Like Joseph, we have a choice whether or not we're going to be fruitful in the land of our afflictions. However, what are you going to do in those places? Are you going to choose to praise? Are you going to choose to, you know, worship God and lift him up? Or are you going to choose to not? You know, if Joseph would have stayed in that pit, he would have never made it to the palace. If he would have stayed in Potiphar's house, he never would have made it to If he would have stayed in that jail moping and complaining and throwing stuff all over the place, which I'm sure he wanted to, he never would have made it to the place that God wanted him to be. He was reunited with his brothers and later on his fathers. And that dream that he had years ago where he said the sun, the moon, and the stars, meaning his brothers, his family, his parents would all bow down to him, came true. He believed. Imagine if he would have given up somewhere in the middle of that. He would have never seen the fulfillment of that dream. He would have never seen that. Fulfill. Imagine if he would have allowed the circumstances, you know, to attack him. Each and every one of us are just the same. You know, the God has a dream in our hearts. And Satan knows that. It's never, ever been about, you know, the things that your uncle might have done to you or the parents who were horrible and gave you up and didn't want you. Or It's never been about that. It's always been about the dream. And if Satan can cause you to turn your focus on all those other things, then he can cause you to forfeit that earnest. He can cause you to forfeit the blessings of Jesus. We always have to hold on to what it is that God has for us. In Genesis 50, we read starting verse 15, it says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually make us repay all the evil which we did to him. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. But he said, but as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this this, to this day to save many lives. He meant it as evil, but God means it for good. God means everything for good. He uses each one of us in a different way. And even the situations that seem horrible, God says he can reverse the adverse. He will change situations around, and he can make it for his good if we allow him to make it for his his good. Man, Joseph, to me, when I think of him, there's only two men in the Bible besides Jesus that are mentioned that never sinned or never messed. Um, Joseph and Daniel. Not that they didn't, but it's not listed in the Bible Gosh, what uprightness, what, what faith it must have taken to stand the test of trial when you're sitting there being unjustly accused, when your family has betrayed you, when your family's turned their back on you. What faith it must have taken to hold on and still say, God, yet I trust you. Yet I still believe in you. I still have hope. This is before Jesus came and died on the cross and walked on the earth. So he's really just going on these stories that he's heard of his forefathers. God, I still trust you. God, I still believe you. And because of that, because of that, man, his family is historical. They're legends now. You know, we hear about the the sons of Judah, the sons of Manasseh and Ephraim because of Joseph's faithfulness. And because he stood the test of trials and he held on to God and he refused to let go. This morning, what do you refuse to let go of? Will you refuse to let go of God's covering and of his blessing in your life. You know, each one of us have choices, but we have to remain faithful and we have to choose God and say, God, yet I will trust you. Amen? Can we all stand? We can bow our heads this morning. You know, I don't know every single person here, I know that we are all still children of God and we all deal with our ups and we all deal with our downs. But if there's someone out there today says, you know what, I just want to renew that faith. I just want to renew that, that faith that I have in Jesus so that I can hold on to his truth, so I can hold on to his promises and be a man like Joseph. If there's anybody in here who says that, you can just raise your hand. Anyone at all? Here's one hand. We're going to pray with you this morning. Dear God, Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness, God. God, we thank you for your truth, Lord God, and for your will, for your ways. God, God, thank you for hoping on for us, Lord God, even when we were hopeless, Jesus. Thank you, for God, for just longing after us in constant pursuit. And God, we just ask that even this morning, Lord, that you would change our hearts. God, that you would change our hearts of who we are, God. God, that we would remain faithful. Lord, in those times where we want to give up and those times when we want to throw in a towel, God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would remind us who you are, God. You would remind us, God, that you would rebirth that dream that's inside of our hearts, God, and stir up that passion for you and for your name, Lord. We pray that, Jesus. Is there anyone in here who say, you know what? I've never given my life to Jesus or maybe I want to renew my life. Renew that commitment to God this morning. Is there anyone in here would say that? We're all saved in here. Thank you, Jesus, for that. You know, I just want to encourage you as you go out this week, you know, trust in God. Trust in Jesus. There's nothing too big for him. There's nothing too great for him. You know, the Bible says that he works everything out for our good. And in our Bible studies that we just went through in Gideon, I love that series. But she says, you know what? Everything that happens in our lives is either God-ordained or God-allowed. God-ordained or God-allowed. So there's nothing that can happen that God hasn't already known about, that he hasn't allowed, and that he's made provision for us. So we can walk out here with our heads held high, knowing that, you know what? God is in control of my every step and that God is the one who holds our beginnings and holds our ending and everything in between. Amen? Amen.
1: We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At HeartSeas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at at pastorp.hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.